Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Buonasera, Windy. And our tactics guy and hot tub dweller, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello, Windy. I really like that uh, that video of you just chilling in your hot tub, Nathan. You yeah. look like a baller. <laughs> I feel like a baller, Windy. Uh, yeah. The most profoundly lower middle class thing about my family is that we bought a hot tub for cheap from Lidl and um, <laughs> you know just just really hitting in between the lines uh, there and uh, I can just about make out the big screen in which we played the football from the hot tub so that's nice oh nice that's cool good setup and Bardi you've been enjoying the football outside as well I have I, I had one of those moments where you're in a meeting and you get suddenly inspired to buy something and I went out and bought a projector and then a screen but then I, I found my biggest um enemy that I've never been able to defeat. I can't defeat the sun, Windy. <laughs> the sun was defeated my um defeat my projector, so I spent all day Saturday running to and from B and Q with my dad as we tried to build a bigger and bigger uh, gazebo to block out <laughs> more sunlight. In the end my wife just said, You might as well just be indoors because we we'd made um, a two by three meter gazebo and then extended it by a further three meters fighting the sun. But we got it to a point where we can now watch the five PM kickoff with okay and the eight PM kickoff is proper lit, so we're 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 in a good place. Nice. It's a very uh it's a very sort of primordial story, man versus sun <laughs> and the elongated <laughs> yeah. battle to just continue to build more and more around it rather than adjust. He started taking cardboard from the shed and was like, what we can do is we can reinforce it with cardboard. I'm like, my wife will kill you if you turn our garden into some kind of look uh, shantytown slash favela. So um, we couldn't use anything. We had to stick with tarpaulin. But on Sunday, I gave up and I just put the TV outside and that, that worked perfectly. Is it, um, is it Atlas that had to hold up the sky? It was Atlas who yeah. had to hold the, hold the world. Yeah. Bardi's our Atlas. Battling, <laughs> battling the sun. Um, I want to give a shout out to, to Will Hahn, who is our only listener in Micronesia. <laughs> so, 
so I was doing, I just had a quick scan of the um, location data for our listeners, which I always find amusing and interesting. And um, I tweeted it from the extra inch account that we've got a listener in Micronesia. And uh, we've got this DM from Will, like, yeah, that's me, which was really cool. Um, so we've also got <laughs> listeners, one listener, a single listener in Azerbaijan, in Cameroon, in Guinea, Mauritania, Sierra Leone. Grenada, Monica, and the British Virgin Islands. So if, mm. if any of those are you, uh, get in touch. It'd be cool to hear from you. And just to sort of know how you how you found us. Um, boys, it's, it's quite a bit to talk about. Um, for, for off-season, there's quite a lot to talk about. I think we should start by talking about Christian Eriksen. And obviously, like, first thing to say is, thank God he's okay. Um, what a ridiculously traumatic experience for him, his family, his teammates, and us, quite yeah. frankly. Uh, watching it, it was, it was awful. I feel like it showed... <laughs> The best and worst of humanity in in one incident, like the way that all the players, the officials, the medics, the crowd handled it was just wonderful, uh, absolutely wonderful, and just just makes you feel like yeah, humanity is not this evil that we sometimes assume it is. And then equally, the way the broadcasters intruded on his privacy and and his his partner's privacy in that way was absolutely disgusting to me. And then also the fact that the players were sort of pushed into this awkward position where they had to play the game again. I mean, or restart the game. It was crazy. And I've I've just um I've just this moment finished watching uh Huey Bear's interview about it. And I you know, I've got a lot of admiration for Huey Bear as a speaker. I think he's excellent, I think he talks very sensibly, very well on, on all kinds of issues. He looks absolutely broken. He honestly looks completely broken, and it could be, you know, that he's really tired because they've just played a match in the heat and it's there's a lot going on mentally for these players in this tournament. But I cannot imagine that the, the handling of this by UEFA has helped. And it's kind of come out today that they were sort of strong-armed into playing. Um, anyway, enough of my rant about that. Just so happy that Ericsson's okay. What awful things have happened to him and, and his teammates. Uh, Buddy, were you, were you watching live? Yeah, I was watching live and... Of course, I was I was in the stadium when Fabrice Mwamba went down as well, so I was in the crowd there. So it's I had I've got like first hand like memories of this, and it, it was just awful watching, just seeing it happen. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm a positive person, but you just fear the worst. Yeah, and it's just like like how can you how can you come back from that? And then it just it plays on your own anxieties as well as you're watching something like this and it's just a horrendous thing to happen and i completely agree with you that the tv camera should have come away from that a long time ago they even going back to the bbc studio and then asking four people to try oh, and God, sum yeah. it up was was over the top and it's just just cut to silence go somewhere else we we don't need to see it we need all we need to know is later on that he's okay there is no need for this to play out in front of everybody like it's some kind of big brother um i'm so happy he's fine i, I really i really thought that might be it for him but it's brilliant news that he's doing well and it's massive credit to his teammates to the referee to the doctors everybody and yeah it just it just life is so short and we spend so much time getting upset by by little inconsequential things that we need to enjoy every moment enjoy the people around you enjoy what makes you happy and you know life 
Yeah, life's too short, man. Alex Scott really summed that up, I thought, in the studio. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think they should have been put in that position to, to have to talk about it. And, you know, for all I know, maybe the producer checked them and said, are you okay to, like, go on? And mm. But she she handled it so well, so beautifully. Just, you know, I texted my mum and, and, and told her I loved that kind of thing. And it was it was, mm. it was beautiful, really humane moment. It was... Um, yeah, exactly what you just said, a reminder that life is short and we just have to appreciate the people in our lives that um, that we love. Uh, Nathan, how about you? Were you watching live? Yeah, yeah, I, I was. I um, I really struggled with it, to be honest. I, I was also there uh, when Fabrice, a similar thing happened to Fabrice Mamba. Um, I was a fair bit younger, uh, sort of less emotionally grown, I guess, and also like... Um, I've made no secret of my fondness for Christian Eriksen, so not that that wasn't like a sad day, but but um, but Saturday hit me a lot harder um, than even when I saw it live and I saw the players' reactions live and everything. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna say some personal things, and I might choose to edit them out later. I was watching with someone who has a, a specific anxiety around this issue, uh, this exact thing, um, and so I was very concerned for them. Um, I, I had a, a row with my, my sister who didn't sort of understand the, the gravity of the situation and was, was taking the piss basically. Um, Jesus. and then once hmm. all of that wore off, once, once I was no longer concerned for the person I was watching it with, once, once that sort of thing was passed, um, it really, it really wore on me for hours. So I, I was really down, uh, for most of that night. Um, yeah, I um, I mean I'm still I'm still kind of heartbroken for him. Uh but um a huge huge shout out to Simon Kier for for being yeah. so fast to react to to recognize things and um I'm going to I I have passed my first aid certificate in the past. I'm going to update my first aid understanding and get requalified and and um get some practice with his review later, I think. Um in the near future, just in case, you know, I have the opportunity to, to, to do something similar. Yeah, the, 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 the defibrillator thing and access to it is something which only in the last, I don't know, nine months when, as I've been going around viewing houses, I've started noticing like there's been signs for defibrillators here and everywhere. And I've always just wondered like, okay, fine. But now you watch something like this and I think it's, it's good. It's good to know where your closest one is at hand. Like, mm. Just just find out because there will be signposted. I always thought it was a bit strange. Why is it here? But now it is here for those exact reasons. Yeah, I mean, it increases your chance of survival enormously having a defibrillator within, having access to a defibrillator within three minutes, I think, is what they, mm-hmm. they, they measure by. Um, yeah, I mean, like Nathan, I, I must admit, this really shook me up. I, I, I think I kind of went into shock. Honestly, it was like seeing one of my mates out there, yeah. I, you know, it's silly. It's silly in some ways because they don't know who we are. These players mm. that we worship, they haven't, they haven't got the foggiest. They they have millions of fans. It's I'm I'm one of millions of people who love Chris, Christian Eriksen, but he to me is is a huge part of my life and has been a huge part of my life and someone that I've spent many 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 hours watching, admiring, adoring, celebrating, mm. and just seeing him prone on the pitch like that just completely knocked me for six. It really did, um, and I was I was pretty shaken up. And it took, like you, Nathan, it took me a little while to kind of get over it. But then, obviously, when the news came through that he was he was conscious and he was talking and he was doing well, just this huge sense of relief. And yeah, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a horrendous incident that 
you kind of just always think, let's hope it's not repeated, but we know it will be. We absolutely know it will be. It'll happen again, whether it's in one year, two years, three years, it'll happen again to another player. And it's, I, I just want, I just, I just want, I don't know. I, I, I think there needs to be like a, a real change in the way that we, we monitor players' hearts, frankly. Um, because it's like footballers seem indestructible. They, they run 10 kilometers at insane intensity every week, sometimes twice a week, sometimes three times a week. And they seem to be able to bounce back from anything. You know, they have terrible cruciate ligament injuries and they come back and they're fine. And it's like, no, they're not indestructible. They're human beings. They've got the same weaknesses as any other human being. And we really need to make sure that their, their safety is uh, at the forefront. I just want to say something on, on these pricks out there who, who say stuff like grief junkies and all of you getting all emotional shit. It just, it just annoys me that someone, people out there, these, these kind of vermin out there that can try and tell you how you should be feeling. Just fuck off, mate. That, as, as both of you have eloquently said, Ericsson means a lot to us and there's no one out there who could tell you how you should be feeling about something that's happened. So if you're upset, then it's fine to be upset. It's a, it's a really distressing moment and fuck everybody that's like, oh, fuck you, grief, junk, grief junkies. It really annoys me. I shouldn't get triggered by stuff like that, but there we go. You are, you're, you're quite right to get triggered, buddy. Um, so let's talk, let's talk, uh, the Fonz. <laughs> Fonz. Uh, <laughs> are we are we going with the Fonz as a nickname? I, I, it's a bit it's a bit naff, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah Paolo Fonseca. Um, um, let's start with Bardi because I don't I hope you don't mind me revealing Bardi. You, you weren't best pleased when the news first broke. Uh, no, your, your no. view has changed somewhat now. But uh, I, at first, you were you were furious actually. I've calmed down because when you when you spend the whole kind of spring building up to these names and thinking about Ten Hag and then Conte and even Pochettino coming back, you you kind of set yourself expectations of, of hiring a manager who's got a little bit of little bit of oomph about him, something that looks a bit special, sounds a bit special, has got something a bit special in his on his C V or an attachment to the club. And then we just we just go for Fonseca who's just been a bit meh at Roma. He's been fine. But he hasn't been anything spectacular and he hasn't played a style of football, which I thought that's incredible. That's amazing. Um, it hasn't, I don't think of it as being the most modern style of football. None of us before this happened even had him on our list as possible managers. And now he's going to be our, our first team coach slash manager. We we want Daniel Levy to not have responsibility for footballing decisions. And if, uh, if Paratici is given, if Paratici thinks that Fonseca is the man to take us forward, then we have to trust that fucking, I'm going to say it, trust that process. <laughs> and um, we have to believe in it. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not pumped about it. I still would have renewed had we signed Fonseca before renewal date, but still, I'm not, I'm not super excited about it, but I'll get behind it and support it. Okay, I um I I knew nothing about him really, other than his name and that he'd managed Shakhtar and then Roma. That's literally all I knew on him. Um, so I didn't want to have a take, to be honest. And I started doing sort of the immediate things you do. You look at his his managerial history on Wikipedia, look at his win percentage, uh, see how it compares with Tim Sherwood's, um, and then and then you start sort of asking around and digging out YouTube clips and articles. And um, the more I read. The better I felt, uh, and I'm now at a point. I've I've written I've written two blog articles about this um, on windycoys.com. Go go and read them if you have twenty minutes spare. Uh, and I've done quite a lot of research. I've watched quite a lot of highlights. I've watched a couple of full matches. I've watched um, individual player clips. 
uh, for some of the players in his key positions. And I like what I see. And I can understand why he is being offered this position. Uh, whereas, you know, when the fir- news first breaks, as Bardi says, you, you kind of go, okay, this that's a bit of a come down from Conte, from Pochettino to, to Fonseca. But I like I like what I see. I think there's logic there. He He's very capable. Um, I'll, I'll let Nathan talk through his tactical approach and then maybe I'll chip in, having done some of my own research as well. Yeah, I, I, you wouldn't have seen it because you, you don't go on Twitter much anymore, but I have accused you of treading on my toes with this series, Wendy. Uh, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> a polls, a polls. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, it's, 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 it's been a really good read. Standing on the shoulder of giants, mate. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I, I was kind of similar to Birdie, kind of similar to you in that... Um, I had my heart set on Postro Ten Hag, and anyone who wasn't there was going to be deemed, yeah. you know, a failure to land one of my my two top targets. And so my initial reaction was pretty negative too. Um, I did know that um, I did remember his Shakhtar side that were very good, um, and I, I did know that he, you know, he was at least a sort of a possession kind of coach. Um, but I saw how badly things went for him at Roma, uh, especially towards the end, and I I had some pretty serious concerns. Um, but sort of having spent more time looking into it, having a look at the reasons why, which I um, think I'm probably going to save for the video without going too much into it now. Um, I'm I'm much happy about it, and I think that um, I think the fact that I I had that sort of delay in appreciation, I think the fact that it wasn't an obviously good mood move is. Uh, speaks quite well of Paratici in that we're looking at sort mm. of uh, an under-celebrated, under-recognised, under-appreciated uh, manager, potentially at least, and that he is recognising he's recognizing targets who, who aren't the obvious names. And I think that that is... Uh, I still think that's probably true of Potter and, and Ten Hag, but whatever. Um, I think that's a really positive sign. Now, uh, Duncan Castles has reported that we are in for... Um, I always mispronounce his name. Uh, Lepete Gui. Um, the the Spanish Sevilla coach, um, which is kind of a a less convincing thing if, if we went for him first and then went for Fonseca. But how reliable is, is Duncan Castles reporting? Why has no one else mentioned it? How does that fit the time frame? All of that. So I think that if we say that Fonseca was his first choice, um, yeah, I think that kind of speaks pretty positively of of Faratici's recruitment and what he has in mind. So yeah, I mean, I I um I said I wouldn't start on another video series until a manager was actually announced <laughs> i have been watching a bunch of 2013 portuguese league football <laughs> instead um so there there will be videos in the near future and i will uh i think i'm going to break it down into his time in portugal his time at Shakhtar, his time at roma and then possibly an additional one looking forward um but yeah i uh I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling positive. He, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how much to say on this podcast and how much to give away. And uh, obviously, you've already spoken quite a bit about it uh, on in, in your in your blog pieces. What what do you want to know? <laughs> so, I mean, so if I can summarise a few of the key facets of his play. Um, uh, so, so what's interesting is that he he's mainly played. Two two formations and um, mm-hmm. two systems four two three one, which can also be called four four two, um, and and three three four three. Mm-hmm. He's al- he's also played three five two, but it's a three four three that he I think is is most famous for playing. Um, ball playing centre backs who who play reasonably high, I would say a mid block, but they they really push into the opposition's half when they've got possession. Um, 
extraordinarily high wing backs to the extent where it's kind of like they are the wingers essentially you know it's a bit like how we played under Pochettino very very similar there's a hell of a lot of crossover in like why would a manager who plays 4-2-3-1 also play 3-4-3 it's the exact same reasons it's because he wants width from the fullback slash wingbacks and it's because he wants his his you know quotation mark wingers to to play as a pair of number 10s um, exactly that exactly that so the, these wingers are incredibly narrow um, and creating overload after overload after overload in central midfield um, often to then work more wide but not always um, they, they drop back in to make up three in midfield sometimes as well that, that, that's a that's an important point um, the, 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 the positions that interest me the most I think are the wing backs which is which are fascinating in his use of them, but also the way he's worked with them. He's again like Pochettino. He's he's known as someone who develops wingbacks and fullbacks, um, and he's done incredible work with the pair at Roma. Spinazzola, you know, fantastic in Italy's opening game at the Euros. Uh, right-footed left wingback who I think he was a reasonable player before Fonseca got hold of him, but now he's you know really gone up a notch and he's an excellent, really excellent player from everything I've seen of him so far. Uh, and, and then on the other side, his name's escaping me. Is it Karsdorp, something like mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Um, he is a much less sort of naturally talented in terms of his technical skills player, but has been converted into a very functional, effective wingback. So the wingback's really interesting, but then also I think the uh, I think the tens are really interesting too. That that's an un- like it's not something we've been used to seeing at Spurs too often uh, in recent years because we've had you know Son who plays really wide as as one of the the players behind the, next to the striker, um, and so having two players that come inside or start inside and, and move out is is different. However, it's a bit like how Delhi used to play. You know when he first broke through, so there's similarity there, and a bit like how Ericsson played when he tucked in from the right. So there's similarity there too. So lots of interesting things. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't again, I don't want to say too much because it will completely trample over Nathan's video and, and ruin it. So so perhaps let's stop there uh, in terms of analysis of his of his style. Um, any other comments? Um, he has had a difficult job at Roma. There are yeah, let's talk about club. that. There are a club that have, have gone through many problems with Monchi and signings haven't worked. We saw today in uh, Patrick Stick is one of those players that um, scored an absolute scream of a goal today, yeah. but another one of those Roma players and Roma signings that didn't work. Um, but then you, you have to look at the players that he has done good things with. Uh, Jordan Vertu, who was mm, pretty mm. average, has turned him into a, a decent box-to-box midfielder. You've already mentioned Spinazzola, who was, you know, a, a guy that Juventus used to just uh, make weight for Juventus to for other deals. And he he's properly, in, he looks like a little bit of a Zambrotto at the moment, the way he's playing <laughs> for Italy. Um, and then, of course, he has lost. He did lose Zaniola, who was like the biggest kind of attacking influence at Roma. I mean, their best player, right? Yeah, and also he's done great things with Mancini as well as the centre back and Cristante, who came on against Turkey. He's a defensive uh, midfielder who he's been playing in the middle of a back three, who's very good on the ball. So there are good points, but I think at the moment we're we're just it's kind of we're kind of looking at this that he doesn't come with any real baggage. He doesn't come with calling people out and he might just be a a decent nice first team coach who can get the job done and I think that's the reason for the positivity really he doesn't have anything bad 
next to his name. Although I do think skipping from club to club isn't the greatest sign. And I would take the Shakhtar Donetsk um, achievements with a little pinch of salt. I mean, they haven't finished out the top two since the mid-90s. They consistently win the league, the, the, the Ukrainian Cup. So, you know, there is a bit of a closed shop there. So he did good by winning a couple of doubles, but he hasn't taken a team from nowhere in Ukraine and won the league with him. Cool. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Interesting question from Gegitar, who says, just saw today that Fonseca, if he's confirmed, won't be bringing his assistants with him that he's worked with him for 15 years. What do you think about this? My first thought was that it's a shame. You'd think it would be nice even just to have some familiarity around him on a big step like this. New assistants mean more new people he has to learn how to work alongside. But I could see it spun as a positive as well. And um, and yeah, that was that was an interesting point for sure. So we knew that he was going to stop working with his, his key assistants. Uh, but what wasn't clear was that he was going to arrive with an entirely new group. Um... And so I think it's worth mentioning that in, in my in my blog piece, I linked this video by Canal 11, Channel 11. It's a really great short documentary mm. about um, Fonseca's time at Shakhtar. They get fantastic access. Um, Shakhtar were very generous to to allow it, I think, and it, it, it's a great piece. I mean, even if it's even if Fonseca wasn't linked to Spurs, I'd be interested to see it because it's really fascinating. Um, but one of the things that really stood out was how close he is with his with his coaching team and his analysts. Um, and you know, having a video analyst on the bench is one of the, like the key features of the documentary. He's got someone who's shouting down tactical sort of insights from, to the bench, and then also preparing clips for the halftime team talk and being able to sort of show players on video what what went wrong, what went right in the half. Um, and presumably, he's not going to follow Paolo Fonseca to to Spurs either so yeah I mean there's a, there's a lot of interest there what, what do you think buddy is the new team necessarily a bad thing um, I think we've maybe got fed up of firing um, assistant managers and backroom staff every time we change manager <laughs> um, we were really excited when Joe Sacramento joined as um, Mourinho's number two we thought oh here's someone who's progressive and might have an influence on Mourinho but he didn't do anything other than create a meme so I don't know I don't know Nathan, maybe you, it's good maybe it's bad Nathan are you concerned about the um, the sort of lack of 
familiarity. Mm, I mean, I, it's this is a really, really big deal. Um, I'm I'm going to be doing my videos on his time at this club, his time at that club, um, etc. They could be completely useless. They could be completely meaningless because yeah. increasingly, as we see in 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 the most modern version of the game, um, the managers can just be a figurehead whose role it is to to lead and to to be a charismatic figure and that the the tactical style of the team is dictated by um the the analysts and the and the tacticians around them um we've seen liverpool um move between assistant managers and completely change or dramatically change their style um so this is this is this could be quite something um there are there were sort of suggestions in in reporting that it is to do with the injury record at Roma and they had a, a they had a <laughs> an awful awful injury record um yep. during his time there that really undermined everything he tried and wanted to do um so how much that plays a role is sort of interesting if he thinks that the sort of um the sports science capabilities of his team are insufficient or that's what the thing is I, that's um I don't know. That, that, that's an interesting one. I, I feel like you could just fix that with, with maybe one or two changes, but okay. Um, there was reporting that, um, that Conte was asked to, um, only bring in a maximum number of, of four members of staff for his team if he was to join us. So I, I don't know if that is, there's a connected reason why, um, why that would be asked of both of them or whether that is to do with like, Ledley King needs to be the assistant because we want him to get experience kind of thing or, or whatever's going on there. I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of a strange one. It's kind of dramatic. And yeah, as, as you see in that documentary that you mentioned, like how much for him is a communal effort, how much yeah. every member of the team is, is welcome to, to sort of step forward and, and, and give their part. And that it's not just they're working for him, but um, but he's one member of a of a team. Um, so it, it's very curious how he might sort of form things going forward, and and uh, <laughs> what the reasons are for that. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree. Um, I mean, we'll get, I guess we'll see. I get hopefully we'll get the announcement this week. We'll see if he's bringing anyone with him, and if not, who the appointments are. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel fairly I feel fairly positive about this move. I think I'm excited to see what Fonseca can do. Question from LA Coys. Uh, wingbacks are seemingly going to become more important under new management. Are you confident we can successfully develop and leverage both Regalon and Sessegnon? Buddy, what do you think? Um, I mean, obviously it's good to have two wingbacks. We need some rotation. Um, uh, left side seems fairly well sorted. Right side, less so. What do you think specifically about Reguilon and Sessegnon? And then let's perhaps talk about right back as well. Reguilon had a bad end of the season, but he remains an excellent prospect and who can be developed. And Sessegnon, I'm, you know, I'm, I really want to see how he can play now. And I, I think Fonseca might be really good for him. We do have a question mark on the right hand side, but yeah, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident he can do something with those two. They're both very good players, and they're both, um, they're both young enough, and they both seem willing enough to learn. So yeah, I'm positive about those two. Nathan, even even Doherty yeah. uh, in this system will surely look better, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I I still think I, I, there might be just sort of a ceiling to Doherty's game that is a little below our level. Um, I do have a little concern there. I do think it, th- this will suit him. I, I do suspect that Fonteca will make better use of his uh, attacking mm-hmm. in the box capabilities on the left-hand side. Um, still a little concerned about Cesson Young. Um uh, there are still sort of defensive weaknesses to his game that you would hope would, would sort of um, be uh, be Im- have improved better 
his time on loan, but we'll see how that goes. Regulon, I've said before, is one of the best left backs in the world, and he will be playing with it as a wing back or as a as a full back, um, a pretty similar role, one that that makes the best use of his abilities and um I don't know, shoe in for player of the season next year, basically. I just think <laughs> that he will absolutely um tear things up next season under Fonseca. I think that is a perfect uh marriage of player and manager. Yeah, there. yeah, I completely agree. Um yeah, his use of in, in, when he plays a back three, the wing backs I've already mentioned they're interesting. They also like they're not just interesting going forward, but they are invited to become part of a back five mm-hmm. when when the opposition has the ball. Uh, so the, the near side wing back pushes out towards the man on the ball. The far side wing back tucks in and becomes a very neat line of a back four. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've definitely seen signs at, in Cessnell's game at Hoffenheim that he's become good at that now like he he just is a lot more organized and more responsible with his defensive decision making so i'm pretty hopeful on that and, and like you i i think i am much more optimistic about matt doherty in a in a system which has the fullbacks largely or wingbacks largely much higher up the pitch so even if he doesn't play 3-4-3 at spurs even if he plays 4-2-3-1 you're going to see doherty much more focused in the opposition half rather than his own half and that's exactly what he needs to excel um Obviously, a right back or right wing back is still like signing priority number one or two. That's that's absolutely clear to me. So there we go, Fonseca. Um, lots more to say about him. Nathan's video will follow, and I'm sure we'll be talking about him lots over the coming weeks. Uh, let's get some Euros chat in. It's coming home. It's coming home. <laughs> Not you two as well. I just realised there was there was an opportunity to get that reaction out of you. <laughs> <laughs> It's nothing worse than than uh, than his coming home stuff. I get, I'm getting it in every single WhatsApp group. But Bardi, you don't need to worry about it because you had a you had a lovely start from Italy to enjoy. Oh, it was great. It's been it was nearly five years to the day since I last watched Italy in a, a proper competitive match, and it was um, it was joyous. And to see how the team has changed and grown, and how we've just become this possession hungry possession dominant team that's just got a little bit of everything including uh, my doubts were the forward line and even though I still have my I still have a few questions about them they looked really good and I know it was only Turkey but um, there was a lot to take from that game the way we just held them down and just slapped them about with our spare hand it was it was great stuff to watch the pressing I was I was I was surprised by how much pressing there was from Italy good players Wendy good players with good energy and you can press if you can then keep the ball for five minutes you can you can take a break and that's how the key to it's what it's what your three lions need to figure out. Andy Amawakasam. <laughs> Andy Amawakasam. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I think England need to learn a little bit about that. Um, take the sting out of the game. Hold the ball for a bit. Relax. Get your breath back and and then go again. I, I Jorginho. I you know I keep going, I bang on about him. Even though he plays for Chelsea, I think he's a wonderful, wonderful player. And um, Locatelli had a a weak game, but I still think he's. He's someone that we should we should. I go really, I really like Locatelli. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of his. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Insigne is an interesting one because his decision making at times is absolutely awful, but he's so skillful and he's so classy. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got one trick. He does it well, but then we saw Yarmolenko last night. He's also got Ooh. one trick, and did he pull out a goal? I've, I've I think I mentioned it already today, but the, I think the Euros have been have been great, and especially as as a Spurs fan, after we've gone through the misery of this season and everything else that alongside it, 
just to watch these Euros, it's it's nice. A bit of a little bit of mystery because there is still some mystery in football. Um, seeing play, and then it's nice when a, an old timer pops up as well. Like Hamzik hmm. is knocking around, Pandev scoring a great goal for my second team, um, North Macedonia. So it was it was great to see. Uh, you and I were really enjoying the Ukraine Netherlands match, buddy. Um, that was an absolute thriller. Um, and I and I wanted to ask this question. This is from Felumbo from the um, hmm. Discord. Uh, I know Nathan has got Dumfries on his list. He played very well today. Obviously, don't scout solely based on his national tournaments. <laughs> but was curious as to what you guys all think of him. Um, Nathan, I know um, that Keys, your friend Keys, mm-hmm. has not always been so high on Dumfries. No, and I think that um, I think that Spurs fans would find him frustrating. To be honest, I think that Spurs fans his his shortcomings are his technical game, right? His his um, his skill in receiving the ball on the ball and his ability to sort of lay off the ball in the final third, uh, whether that's crossing or passing or whatever. Um, I think Spurs fans will find that frustrating. But I also think that in terms of like what he achieves despite his technical limitations is, is, um, not outstanding, but would be an improvement on, on what we've got at the moment. I think his, mm. his athletic game and his, his intelligence. Um, is is everything you want it to be in a right back um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if those technical limitations are likely to improve very much over the next few years probably not um, I mean yeah but I think that if you've got like a very skillful left back on the other side and you've just got a smart guy who runs up and down on the right hand side that's maybe enough um, so Dumfries is on my list he's not at the top of my list he's, he's a bit of the way down the list but uh, if 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 the first sort of three or four ideas fall through, or if your budget is limited and he's available on a deal, I think that he is a worthy shout for that reason. Again, I think Spurs fans would be frustrated by him because he will miscontrol the ball or he will stumble over the ball trying to dribble someone um, or he will just cross the ball out for a goal kick. Um, <laughs> now, now, now I'm making him out to be terrible. Um, but uh, I don't know. I just, he 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 um, he's a he's a good player with a single specific weakness that doesn't enormously um, detract away from his overall ability. I got a real sense of Matt Doherty about him, just arriving at the back post, not being part of the build-up play, but just using timing and then um, yeah. kind of understanding of when the ball will arrive to be there. Because not just the goal, but before that in the first half, he he had a couple of chances. He was crucial in the Dutch second goal, and I. I agree with um the question that we shouldn't scout just off off one game but i thought he was a lot of fun and denzel dumfries is one of the best footballers it's a good name isn't it yeah big name it is a solid name um any other players caught your eye so far bardi uh bardi for for north macedonia we need to make (laughs) that that is that why they're your second team (laughs) yeah (laughs) i thought i thought he had a nice little touch here and there i thought he was good um I thought Russia were awful. Lukaku was doing Lukaku things and it's great to to see him keep keep developing and keep becoming probably the best striker in the world. I think he's I think he's been fantastic. Russia are an interesting side to me to watch this year because they really undermine the previous things I said about how every team in the world is definitely off their eyelids on steroids all the time because <laughs> there is a noticeable difference between uh a Russia team who were heavily reported <laughs> as doping uh, at the World Cup, and compared to what they're what they're putting up this time around, 
Um, so there's obviously a um, there's obviously some margins within when I talk about which teams are doping and not um, because the drop off is extremely, frankly, hilariously noticeable for Russia um, and their efforts. Yeah. And it's also very funny that <laughs> clubs bought players off the back of that team's performance <laughs> when like they're just gassed all the time compared now. <laughs> I did think um, Zuba was a great plan B. I still, I'm still fully on board with Spurs signing him as someone just to come off the bench. He, he was given, um, he gave Alderweireld uh, and Boyata a bit of a tough time in the air, and he's got for a big man, he's got a nice touch, as they say. Uh, Nathan, we should talk a little about England. Uh, I thought it was a pretty promising performance. I mean, nothing, nothing spectacular, uh, but we absolutely kept Croatia at arm's length for the majority of the game, and we put together some nice moves. There was some nice variety in the play, some really threatening balls over the top, which I thought Croatia was struggling with from early on in the game. Lovely movement from Sterling, from Foden, and, uh, I mean, the obvious player to mention is is Calvin Phillips. You had an absolute stormer. I'm playing a, a position that I've not seen him play probably ever, I don't think, as a sort of advanced destroyer in midfield pressing but then also becoming an option on the ball as well as we saw for the goal um, Nathan how impressed were you by England uh, quite impressed but sort of more in in sort of retrospect than at the time you say they put together nice moves like they put together five nice moves <laughs> over the course of 90 minutes maybe um, yeah I, I guess it's kind of the place that we're, we're at now with England is um We've we've gone through this period of time where we're just picking our best eleven names and throwing them together, um, and oh, that doesn't work out. And now Southgate's come in and he's introduced more modern coaching to the team, and what he's doing, kind of since then, but also more now is is um, is doing the boring thing. To be to be frank about it, is is playing boring football with boring players um, because at international football. Um, that's just the most effective way to run a national team, pretty much. Um, I think you look at like Deschamps, France, and the selection team makes there. God, they're infuriating. They're miserable. It's just it's it's workers and runners, but they crush it with their two attacking or three attacking stars. And I think that that is, I think that's that Southgate's intention here is is to play playing a midfield two of Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips um, is um, not ever something that you would want to see at club level. My goodness. What a what a terrible Premier League midfields that would be. <laughs> but in international football, I guess it's just like it's easier to get a defensive player in Calvin Phillips, who did play as a number ten in his in, in his youth, for the record. Um, but to get a defense a player who is a defensive player for his club to make attacking runs is probably a lot easier than to get a sort of attack focused box to box player to defend in the way that you want him to defend for your national team. And so, yeah, and and it's Mason Mount over, you know, Sancho or Grealish, and it's um, it's effective. It's a it's a very effective way to win games one nil in international football. And I think I, I'm not going to say it hasn't been an entertaining Euros because it's it's three games a day, and it's your national team, and it's seeing maybe new players you haven't seen, and it's interesting developing narratives. But the the quality of football on display is is really quite poor compared to what we're seeing most weekends during the league but uh it makes people happy so i'm not gonna like tell you you're not allowed to enjoy it um i I do think that your point on that is is a little bit because man city can go out and just buy 
the best defenders and just put them together. So we would each nation has to kind of work around its defects. If it doesn't have a, a striker, it has to kind of work a system which won't be as aesthetically pleasing, but they try and figure a way to score goals without a striker. If they don't have a midfield, they try and figure out a way. So I, I get I know I understand what you mean that if I could if I could create the, the perfect dish, I would just go out and buy the best meat, the best vegetables and everything else. But a lot of these managers are having to make a dinner out of um, out of like pretty substandard um, ingredients most of the time, which does have an effect on the um, on the quality. But I do, I do think what I do admire about this tournament and every international tournament, I'm a big fan of it, is just there's a lot of teams just going for it and trying, trying to win games. And it has become a little bit more attack-minded than some of the kind of boring tournaments we've seen before. Okay. I mean, there's been a lot of goals already, which is which has been nice. <laughs> and I know goals aren't everything, but it is a good way to to mark the the kind of entertainment value at least. Sure, sure. Just to sort of build on Bardi's point there, um, I mean, England's weakness in this game pretty much would have been the defence. Sure. So Maguire is our best defender. He wasn't available. Uh, Perhaps that's why Kieran Trippier played as a sort of more, slightly more defensive option on, at left back. Perhaps that's why Rice and Phillips were in midfield, a bit more protection for Mings and, and Stones. Um, I, I mean, that could be completely undermined by Maguire coming back and the, the other players still remaining in the team, but it's, it's a possibility. Um, I, I think you could easily make an argument for Jack Grealish being England's best player, and so him not being on the pitch at all is slightly baffling to me having said that i really like sterling i really like mount and i really like foden yeah. so it's kind of like well you're going to play him instead of phillips that feels risky i mean i mean absolutely i would love the idea of mason mount and declan rice in midfield with with grealish there as well as a as a three but it is definitely exactly it's definitely okay. risky better teams will just keep the ball off them they'll press and press but the two of them won't be able to cope i think um in the England team it's fine but it does concern me against a team that can keep the ball like Croatia can do but also has forwards to pass it to I mean Perisic had the worst game I mean he's a player that blows hot and cold but he was awful Rebic was terrible and Kramaric I mean Jesus <laughs> so I think England will walk this group I think the Czechs might give them a little bit of a problem but you'll absolutely pummel Scotland <laughs> but by then by the time you play the Czechs it's already over but I do think England need to rethink that midfield and um, I am a bit concerned that Southgate hasn't picked a philosophy or a, a style of play either low block counter do it you've got the players that can do that you've got Kane you've got fast forwards um, but I, I think he's kind of got caught I'm not sure he knows what he's going to do and these group stage games like most teams will get through these without any trouble but I do I do I'm concerned for England against the bigger team and by concerned I'm like for you Wendy not for me but yeah <laughs> what, what, what they would do Nathan do you think there was anything noteworthy about Harry Kane being taken off no uh uh, if you want to reach for something, then I would say because we sort of pressed international, but we pressed high at least on occasion. Um, and and previous concerns about Kane's ability to press high, maybe you just sub him off a little earlier, and that deals. And now you don't have to go. Oh no, we can't press, and we don't want to lose the best striker in the world. What do we do? Uh, you just take him off. You just you just you just use him for an hour, and then you bring on a you know a speedy youngster or whatever. So, um, yeah, that's fine. Kane staying. We want him to stay. We're gonna play good football with Kane. Uh, is that is that what you want to hear? <laughs> <laughs> Kane was stat pad against Scotland. He's he's eyeing that game. He'll get a hat four trick goals, four easy. Yeah, 
And he'll start trying to ping one from the halfway yeah. line every time he gets the ball. Four goals, all penalties. <laughs> yeah. Now's the time to stat pad. Lukaku's already got two on him. Even Immobile scored more goals than Harry Kane. We should He's going to win Immobile. the Golden Boot with six goals, four of which were against Scotland. <laughs> kind of like how he won the Golden Boot exactly with the World like Cup. <laughs> uh, let's finish with some recommendations. So this is from Bradley Heath, who says, I'm going on holiday in a few weeks and would love to read a good football book. Any recommendations? Trying to avoid the typical autobiographies for something a little bit more informative. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big reader of football books. Um, Inverting the Pyramid is great, obviously. Uh, the mix of Michael Cox is really good. But Bardi, you are the man for football books. You've read them all. Well, you, just stole, you stole one of mine. I, because on the holiday, just sat outside, nice weather. You might have had a couple of drinks and your mind might not be as focused and you'll be distracted by things going on. So you don't, perhaps Inverting the Pyramid or anything Jonathan Wilson might it's be heavy. too heavy. So I've gone, uh, Mike, the mixer you've already said, but we've, we've friended the show, Michael Cox. And um, I've also written The Club because it's kind of topical with everything that happened with the European Super League. And you can read about how teams were, were bastards in the 90s as well. This isn't just a modern phenomenon. And Spurs were very much one of the, the six bastards that that decided <laughs> to screw over the rest of the Football League. And who's who's that by? Oh, sorry, that's Jonathan Clegg. Uh, another chap as well, um, but Jonathan Clegg is the main guy. Nice. Anything you'd add, Nathan? Uh, my recommendation is going to be don't read a football book on holiday. Take the time off away mm. from football. Come back to Spurs with a fresh new manager and fresh ideas and you'll be rejuvenated. So so what would you read instead? Uh, read some, some epic fantasy. Read... Uh... <laughs> 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 of course, I'm going to say that. Read. Uh, uh, so the thing, my, all my favourite series are incomplete, and I don't want to recommend incomplete series because I'm angered about the incompleteness of the series. So um, I don't know. <laughs> this is not a good recommendation for me at all. Is it? <laughs> just don't look at your phone. Even just get a magazine. Get Runners World magazine and read that. Just don't look at your phone. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud, E Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.